just want to do a little, you know, a little thought experiment today. Maybe let our imaginations run wild. And to imagine that we're God. Now, for some of us, that might be easier than, than other of us. For me, I'm, well, let's not go there. Um, but just to, to imagine that we're God and that we're, we, we're trying to get into his mind, trying to get into his head, as he creates the whole world, right? The Lord creates everything out of nothing and sets it up perfectly, right? There's this perfect order. There's this perfect harmony within all of creation, right? Every, every Adam and Eve, they're, they're perfectly provided for. They have no needs. They have no wants. And even all the animals, right? There's this perfection that exists. There's this harmony. He brings order out of chaos. And then, of course, things go really, really bad, really quickly. Things fall apart in creation, and just, it gets terrible. And, you know, right after we heard in the, the first reading about um, Adam and Eve and kind of God coming to them after they ate the fruit. But just after that, the very next chapter, Cain kills his brother Abel. Murder, fratricide, right off the bat. And so to put ourselves in God's shoes and be like, things got out of hand really quickly. Things got terrible. They're killing each other right from the get-go. And you can imagine, for God, this, was, this would break his heart, right? This would absolutely tear apart a father's heart. Because you can imagine, and, and parents, and really, I guess everybody has this, where you put all of your love, right? He puts all of his love into creation. He does absolutely everything he can to set things up perfectly, and we do that, right? Maybe you order things for your kids, you know, you set things up for them, whatever, whatever it may be, or even maybe at work there's a project, and then it falls apart. And maybe it's somebody's fault, maybe it's nobody's fault, maybe it's our own fault, and things just kind of come apart rather spectacularly. And it's just frustrating, it's painful, and it's, it's heart-wrenching to watch that fall apart. And then God tries, begins this, like, rescue plan. Right? He's like, okay, things have gotten really off track. We'll send some prophets to try and call them back. Let's lead them out of Egypt through Moses. Let's start a kingdom through David. But it's still not quite there. They still need to be rescued. Humanity still needs to be saved. And God decides, realizes, and of course he knows this for all eternity, somebody's got to go down there and save them. These people, they need rescued real bad because things aren't so great. And the sun goes. The sun's willing to go to save all of humanity. Of course, for a father, you could imagine sending a child into, into danger and, you know, this could really go poorly. And he sends his own son, knowing full well that he's going to have to suffer, die, be rejected, and all of that. And so he's, he knows this. And we can put ourselves in there and experience that. But there's something that we can't experience because as God sends his son... You know, that could happen in so many different ways. Jesus could just show up on the scene, kind of like a magic trick. That's what happens when, in like Greek mythology, when the gods show up on earth, they just kind of, ta-da, and they're there. But God set up rules, right? There's, there's an order to creation. If a new human person's going to start walking along the earth, they're going to come from a mom. They're going to come from a mother. But God gets this benefit, that he gets to create his own mother. Something that you and I, we don't get to do. We came after our moms. Our moms came before us. We had no say in who she was, what she would be like, what virtues she would have, what she would look like. But for God, for Jesus Christ, 
He gets to create his own mother. You think that's not some, like, random chance that God's just going to, you know, play Russian roulette with and just spin the wheel and see who gets to be the mother of the Savior, right? He's not going to just leave that one up to chance. He's going to take as much care in that as divinely possible. And so to think, if God's going to be able to create his own mother, what's that going to look like? What would it look like for us? If we had the ability to create our own mother, she would be perfect. She would have not a single flaw in her whatsoever. And the great American bishop Fulton Sheen reflected on this. And Fulton Sheen said, If you could have pre-existed your mother, would you not have made her the most perfect woman that ever lived? One so beautiful, she would have been the sweet envy of all women. And one so gentle and so merciful that all other mothers would have sought to imitate her virtues. Why then should we think that God would do otherwise? If we could do that for our own moms, if we could design, create, form the perfect mother, the perfect woman to be the, the carrier of us, how much more so would God do that? And that's the essence of today's feast day. Today we celebrate the fact that Mary was conceived immaculately, perfect, free from all stain, free from all corruption. There's no, there's, we heard in that first reading that God would put enmity between her and the devil. There's going to be a gap there. She's going to be untouchable for the devil. He's not going to be able to lie, to trick, to seduce, to, to, uh, to destroy her, but there'll be enmity between them. She's untouchable by the devil, and that makes her perfect. She's free from all of this stain. And of course, she would, God would do this for her. We would do that for our own mothers. We wouldn't deprive her of any blessing. And that was the second reading, that God's showering blessings upon his people. And of course, he would do that for his beloved. He would do that for Mary. And that's the essence of today's feast, that from the very moment of her conception, Mary was immaculate. Mary is immaculate. That there's no defilement, there's no stain, there's no sin in her whatsoever. And we heard that in the opening prayer, right? That collect just read at the start of Mass. Kind of one that sometimes we just don't even hear. There's so much coming at us at the start of Mass. It was, O God, who by the immaculate conception of the Blessed Virgin prepared a worthy dwelling for your Son, Grant, we pray, that as you preserved her from every stain by virtue of the death of your Son, which you foresaw so through her intercession, we too may be cleansed and admitted to your presence. That God does this for his own mom. Of course he does this. It makes perfect sense. We would all do the exact same thing. And there's a little word that comes later in one of the prayers of the Mass that's kind of like a word that nobody ever used, but it's provenient, by her provenient grace. And that's basically preventative, that God prevents her from sin by the grace of his death and resurrection. So God prevents his own mom from this. But God is also so good that he's not stingy. He's not generous. He doesn't say, well, this is my mom. All your other moms aren't going to be as great as my mom. Because as Jesus goes, and as he carries that cross, and as he gets crucified, and he's hanging there with no life left in him, he says a few words. He says a lot, seven things, but 
One of the things is, is he looks out and he sees his mom, he sees the disciple whom he loves, and he sees you and me, right? He sees the entire world and he says to John, behold your mother. Now this mom is not just my mom, but she's everyone's mom. That this mom is going to be everyone's for all eternity. He's not stingy in saying, this is my mom, none of you others can receive any love from her. But this is the mom for all of humanity. This is the mom for every single person that will ever live from here on out. And that's who we're given on this day. That we too have a mother who's immaculate. One that's free from all sin, whose virtues are so radiant that she cares for all of us individually, that we can come with our needs, that we can beg for for whatever we need, or we can thank for her constant intercession. And as we realize that God does this for Mary, for his own son, and for us, I think there's just one reaction that has to come from all of us, and it's the refrain from the responsorial song. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. As we gather here today to reflect, to thank God for the gift of the Immaculate Conception, really a marvelous deed, we're absolutely in awe that God is just simply this good and this powerful and this generous, that he does this for Mary, but he does it for the whole world and he does it for his own son. And the only possible response is to sing to the Lord a new psalm, to come here in awe at the marvels that the Lord does for us through the Blessed Virgin Mary, and to just simply thank him for this great gift, that we look towards God today with awe and gratitude for the incredible gift of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's almost as if we stand back, just dumbfounded, that God would be this good to us that he would give us a mom that's so perfect, that's so free of sin, that's so immaculately conceived, to not just be his own mother, but ours as well, that she was prepared from the very moment of her conception to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And that gives us all, and that gives us one simple response, to sing to the Lord a new song, for he really has done marvelous deeds.